Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome into this edition of the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. I'm Ryan Labner, soon to be joined by Rex Hoggard, who has been diagnosed with Olympic fever. He is now on week two in Tokyo. Look forward to catching up with him. But first, a note about Callaway staffer Xander Shoffley made history with a dramatic win in Tokyo last weekend. We're certainly going to be getting into that on this podcast. Xander is using a new ChromeSoft XLS golf ball that he first put in play at the Memorial. Xander was specifically looking to reduce his spin rates across the bag, but his driver ball speeds have actually increased from a low 170 mile per hour range up to the low 180 mile per hour range. That increase in speed has translated throughout the bag, which in turn has impacted those spin rates. Additionally, Annika Storm stand, the GOAT, added another major to her legendary career at the U.S. Senior Women's Open. As Callaway wins all over the weekend, all over the world this weekend, with Annika's win, Callaway's epic drivers have now won four majors in 2021, including victories at the PGA Championship, U.S. Open, and the Men's U.S. Senior Open. Chrome Soft X golf balls have won three majors this year, including Annika, John Rahm, and Phil Mickelson with the Chrome Soft Triple Track. And Odyssey, of course, has been the number one putter brand at every major this year, has the most major victories of any brand in 2021. Now, my co-host Rex Hager this year is still majorless, but we love him anyway. Rex, uh, you once again slept through what should have been our podcast re- uh, record time. Uh, for some reason, you were not awake at 8.45 p.m. local time. I'm assuming, Rex, that was because the alcohol ban is now in place at Tokyo. Can, can you fill us in? You want to know why I slept through last week? I think we talked about that. Saki. I discovered Saki, and I'll completely own it. I slept through because of Saki. Last night, I slept through just because I slept through. Because uh, the state of emergency in where the, the golf tournament is, it's, it's separated from Tokyo, from the Olympic Village, from where the protocols have been strict since the beginning. Um, things aren't going great here right now with the coronavirus, so they extended those protocols out to the prefecture that we're in. So, yes, alcohol sales started stopped last night. So if I had to put a, I don't know, label on it, I slept through last night's podcast because I was pouting. Uh, I don't I don't blame you. And to be honest, things might not be going well in Tokyo. The coronavirus, I'm not sure they're going well uh, anywhere. I just flew to Memphis and we'll get into that for the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational, where the mask policy has been updated. Uh, so now we're back to wearing masks indoors like it's June 2020 uh, all over again. Rex, we touched on it at the beginning of the show with Xander Shoffley uh, winning in Tokyo, the gold medal. Uh, Roy Sabatine, the surprise silver medalist, can't wait to get into that discussion. And C.T. Pan prevailing, C.T. Pan prevailing in a seven-man playoff for the bronze. Uh, You captured it all on what would have been Sunday night for you, uh, very early Sunday morning for us here in the States. What was kind of your main takeaway from the final round 
uh, of the men's Olympic tournament. The Sunday of the men's, the same thing happened in 2016 in Rio. It kind of sneaks up on you because the first three days are very much what we've come to expect. There's nothing, it seems like, that's out of the ordinary. It's just another 72-hole stroke play event. And, and I'm not trying to downplay it. It's just if you get caught in these routines, it's kind of like Groundhog Day. And then Sunday comes, and it kind of explodes right there. Everything, everything about the Olympics happens before your very eyes. And I, I, it was an unbelievable experience. Before I do that, though, it's a texting faux pas, is it not? To send pictures of barbecue in Memphis to someone who has told you repeatedly that the food here is not great. And that's not because Japanese food isn't very, very good because it is very, very good. It's because of the pandemic and we can't go out. And so we're eating in our rooms and we're really, really limited. I'm eating like a, an eighth grader this week. It's really just cold hamburgers and, and tater tots. You can't be sending me that stuff anymore, man. That's not cool. Just stop it. I've only I've only been in Memphis for for maybe two hours, uh, so the 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 flood of, of barbecue pictures is going to be coming in fast and furious. I actually I was I was telling Rex before we uh, recorded this podcast, I actually drove down. I did not realize this is my third this is my third time in Memphis. Did not realize how close we are actually to the border of Mississippi. And Malcolm Reed, who is my YouTube barbecue hero, he's basically taught me everything that I know about barbecue. Uh, his shop is in Hernando, Mississippi, about 25 minutes from the airport. That was the first thing I did. I hopped in my Hertz rental car, uh, drove across the border, visited his shop, picked up a shirt, uh, got a koozie, went to go see his house where he films all his YouTube videos. And then I buzzed up to Central Barbecue, where, of course, uh, I had the sample platter of dry and wet ribs, uh, pulled chicken, pulled pork, mac and cheese, barbecue beans, uh, of course, a beer. But I, 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 I digress, Rex. Well, we were we were talking we were talking about the Olympics, I, I believe, and you said how how much it snuck up on you. Uh, my 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 takeaway just just watching at home was yeah, you're right. The first three days were were pretty sleepy, right? And I and we can get into the debate format because that or the the format debate because that seems to be raging on as it does seemingly every four years. Uh, and is it a missed opportunity or is it just fine the way it is? But I, I thought was Xander winning winning gold and the way he did it with that scrambling part in the 72nd hole. I mean, if you thought at the start of the week, if you, if you kind of mapped out the dream storylines, I think number one would be Hideki winning gold that we came pretty close to having that come true. Secondly, South Koreans earning a medal to avoid mandatory military, military service. That would have been uh, pretty significant and monumental as well. And then I think you could put, you know, Xander winning one, not just for himself, but also for his family as one of those dream storylines, perhaps up there with, with Rory becoming an Olympic convert um, from what his dad uh, had endured getting in the accident um, when he was a, a, a decathlete hopeful uh, and getting hit by a drunk driver on his way to German national team training. Um, and now he's his only swing coach. Uh, Xander's mother growing up in Tokyo and then Xander, who we've talked about endlessly on this podcast, two and a half years removed from his last victory, plenty of close, close calls uh, for him to actually uh, have a 54-hole lead and then convert, um, I think was significant in a lot of ways, more than just kind of the personal angle of, of what Xander was able to do uh, for his family. At G Long Golfer uh, called you out on, I believe it was Saturday. You got ratioed so bad. I can't believe your talk of an American sweep of the golf medals at Tokyo. How's that looking? Do you realize there is talent outside the United States? Do you have something to say to at G Long Golfer there? 
I, I believe, I believe I replied to him. Did I not? I, I did not see it. Perhaps you have me muted. Like I have you muted. Uh, so what I said was that it wasn't that inconceivable. They were it the wasn't. only top it 10 wasn't. players in the field. I mean, statistically, they're the only, they were the only, the only top team 10 that players had in the field. And they're the only team that had four players. Like I look, I, I did not go out on that limb that you went on and, and it fell and, and you hit the ground hard on that one. But no, it, it wasn't was possible. Of course it was possible. Now it was possible. In, the, in the very next sentence, I said it's not going to happen. Justin Thomas isn't playing his best. I worried how much in the tank uh, Colin Morikawa had. Patrick Reed was coming in hot, uh, was only saw the golf course from the, the seat of a golf cart. Uh, before the tournament happened. So what I also said to uh, our boy G-Long Golfer was ah. surely you kept listening to when we each picked only one to medal. And that happened. Now, it wasn't the one we picked. We picked Colin Morikawa. Both of us uh, picked him to have a silver medal. And that did not come to fruition, although he had an opportunity to get a bronze. Uh, and G-Long Golfer actually came back to me saying uh, he, that he hadn't actually kept listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening. Um, but that tournaments aren't won by rankings. Ryder Cup is a good example. Thanks for that. I never, I never really considered that G-Long golfer. Uh, so, so thank you. Thank you for listening. I, the, the, my takeaway from Sunday, and it, this is twofold, and it was fun yesterday because the women started to gear up for their competition, and, and there were a couple of women that came through, and it was fun talking to them about this, is you had the twofold experience of watching Xander, and anyone who says that the Olympics, when it comes to golf, is an ex- exhibition, and it doesn't mean anything, they weren't paying attention to the way Xander finished yesterday. That was a nervy finish. That was an uncomfortable finish. That, that was an ugly finish, but he was able to pull it off. And, and he talked about it at length. Like, look, he felt the nerves. You don't feel those types of nerves at an exhibition. So that to me is one of the big reasons why golf in the Olympics is different than anything else. It's why it's important. It's why it matters. The other side of that coin, and you already pointed out, a seven for one playoff for bronze. There is a scenario in my mind where one of those seven players rolled their eyes and started walking to the airport. Like, no, I'm not going to go through this because again, there, we, we always want to have this debate every four years, in this case, every five years that look, the Olympics, it really doesn't resonate with the players the way it wants to. The fact that Rory McIlroy was one of those seven and that he went out and was grinding and trying his best to make it through that playoff. The Paul, that Paul Casey who has made the Olympics, his priority, not just this time around, but for five years, Ever since Rio in 2016, the fact that you had Colin Morikawa in that mix, and then you mentioned Hideki and the story, of course, winning and how much pressure he clearly felt here in Japan, that's amazing. I don't know which one of those things. It was fun yesterday asking the women, which one did you enjoy watching more? Xander trying to grind out a gold or those seven players trying to grind out a bronze? Both of those things were very, very cool. Now, I'm sure our ardent listeners will remember the podcast from a week ago when I pressed you again and again, whether Rory McIlroy could change his tune about the Olympics. I said, Rex, I said, Rex, you know what? Rory seems like the prime example of someone who can come in there very disinterestedly. And he, look, he had valid reasons for doing so. He was really pitted in a a difficult position of having to choose between playing for team Ireland, which he did or team Great Britain. It was an ugly thing with a lot of nationalistic uh, interests in play. It, it's something that he didn't think golf really belonged in the Olympics. And look, I said, Rex, you know what? I think once he actually gets the Olympic experience, puts on the team uniform, sees what it's all about, even this watered down experience, 
I can see him changing his tune. And Rex, you were adamant. You said there is no way. He said he's gassing up the jet first thing he can do on Sunday night. You said he, you, I believe, I believe you said he wouldn't even finish inside the top 20. I'm going to have to play back the tape. I believe you said not even a top 20 finish. And Rex, I think it's fair to say Rory McIlroy is an Olympic convert. I mean, not only is he, not only is he looking forward to Paris in 2024, I think he has the potential now to be one of the game's biggest advocates. Can you explain for us not, not only how wrong you were, but, but why you were wrong and why Rory changed his tune? Uh, he definitely is a convert. He changed his tune. He, he came around 100%. He's not the first player that's done that. I mean, but that I knew he would do that, and you were adamant that he wouldn't. All right, so just to take this a step further, you're leaning into the idea that I was reluctant to say that. And, yes, you can hit me with told you so, but the text from you, and I believe this is 8.28 p.m., my time, for someone lauded for his maturity and perspective, he sure can be childish and short-sighted. So I guess my comeback to you would be, what was the Rory, alternative? Rory admitted that. Rory little, Rory I'm little, asking you, yeah. what is the alternative of him being childish and short-sighted by saying that, look, I was wrong? Him doubling down? Like, is that what you expected him to do? Yes, he came around. And again, this isn't new. This isn't something that just came up. There was plenty of people that came around after the 2016 games. And I think you could probably make an argument. I spoke to three quarters of the American team. They definitely came around. Talking with JT, he was excited to be here. He was more excited when he left. I think most players were more excited when they left. And this was, we can all admit, a watered-down Olympics. But in Rory's particular case, I could see him embracing this. But his indifference... The comments he made when he was leaving the Open Championship, no, I did not see him becoming, you're right, not just a convert, but I mean, he is, he's an acolyte. He is carrying the flag. Now, I did not see that coming. I will own that. Uh, it is very similar, Rex. If you remember back in the day, God, this was probably a decade ago at this point, Rory called the Ryder Cup an exhibition, and, and he, got, he got destroyed uh, by both sides for just someone who, who clearly didn't get it and was just as the selfish pro who couldn't see uh, playing for something bigger than himself. And this, this to me seemed like just another example of that. And, and Rory owned it. He's the, uh, this is an exact quote from him. I think I need to do a better job of just giving things a chance, experiencing things, not writing them off at first glance. That's sort of a trait of mine, but I'm happy to be proven wrong. Uh, so when 2024 comes around, Rory, I mean, God, God willing, he's going to be part of, uh, that Team Ireland, again, uh, with Shane Lowry, uh, it remains to be seen. I'm curious, in three years' time, I mean, barring another epidemic, I mean, what's, what's the excuse for these players to not show up, these marquee names to not show up? Because I think there's, there's enough believers now, guys who, who actually turned up and experienced the Olympics – even if they weren't able to stay in the athlete's village, even if they weren't able to go see other competitions live, I think they can see just how special this is. I'd be shocked if we didn't have something close to full participation in three years time in Paris. Would you not? Uh, I would be surprised. I don't know if shocked because I still think there's going to be players. Dustin Johnson immediately comes to mind who this simply Dustin, is not a priority. Dustin Johnson's going to be close to 40 years old in 2024. And they'll probably still be right in the hunt for one of those four American spots, I would argue. I don't know that Brooks Kepka is going to come around. And for all the reasons that we can sit here and explain, and as you said, let's, and I wrote this yesterday, Monday, my time, just trying to wrap my mind around it. Let's hope that COVID-19, we're not dealing with that when it comes time for 2024 
in Paris. That being said, it's still an awkward time of the year on the PGA Tour schedule. You're still wrapping up a season after the major championship season, getting ready for the playoffs. So that's always going to be a distraction for players. And it's also going to be another logistically challenged open. I mean, you were at the Golf National when the Ryder Cup was there. That's where the Olympic Games or the Olympic golf competition is going to be held. It's going to be even farther from the Olympic Two Village. Hours. We are. Two yes. hours from the Olympic Village. So the hour and 15, hour and a half drive that players are facing this week from the Olympic Village uh, out to uh, the golf course, that's difficult. It's going to be even more so when it comes to Paris. That, these are all going to be reasons for players like a Dustin Johnson or Brooks Koepka to pass. And look, I don't know that there is enough goodwill to change their minds. That being said, when you start, you can see the snowball. In 2016, it was largely Ricky Fowler who left Rio and was flying the flag, got the tattoo, was telling anyone who would listen, you need to come and do this. This time around, it's much more universal. Talking with JT about this on Sunday before he left, he was saying that he had no idea what to expect because you don't grow up sinking that five-footer to win the an Olympic gold. You grow up sinking the five-footer to win the Masters or the U.S. Open. However, once you're here and once you experience it, suddenly it does make a difference. And the story he gave me, which I thought was fantastic, go back to 2016. Jordan Spieth did not play that Olympics because of Zika virus concern is the reason he gave. And he was thinking to himself, he was third in the world at the time, I'll have plenty of opportunities to do this. Now, fast forward Oops. to these games, Oops. Jordan did not qualify. Yes, and that was JT's point. And they recently talked about this, and I can see Jordan owning this in, in, in a quiet moment where, look, I was wrong. You never know where you're going to be three years from now in this case, but normally four years from now, you need to take advantage of that. So to your point, I, I don't see universal commitment to this because there was 15 players who opted out of this Olympics on the men's side. So I don't see that those players are going to be all converted, but the vast majority of them I think will be. And, and look, in 2024, Open Championship is at Royal Troon. I can see a scenario where guys play the Open, and look, it is, it is not an ideal time. We, we'll be the first to admit that it is not an ideal time for the Olympics to be situated where it is uh, in the summer schedule. However, play Royal Troon, chill for a couple of days, and, and what I think you'll see because of the logistical issues is guys going in early to the Olympics, let's say taking part in the opening ceremony, going and staying in the athlete's village for a couple of days and then going to Versailles and kind of finding accommodations closer to the golf course. That to me is, is the perfect balance of getting the full experience, but you're also not sabotaging your title hopes. Rex, I want to, I want to move quickly uh, to the format uh, because if you were on social media and clearly G long golfer uh, was on social media among others uh, during this Olympic tournament, what did you think of my boy? The, what did you think of 72 hole stroke play? This is now the second time we've seen it. Do you want to see it change? Do you like it? Are there any small tweaks you can make? What do you think? I mean, this is going to be a talking point. That's great. Like I think golf is always better when there are water cooler moments like this. It's not going to change. And this has nothing to do with the IGF, which runs golf in the Olympics. This has nothing to do with the PGA Tour, which, of course, was a huge driving force behind it. This was the Olympics. When, when golf was pitched to the IOC, they wanted what everyone, by and large, considers, okay, this is the way we identify our best players. In golf, that's 72 holes of stroke play. There's not a team element to it. There's not match play. 72 holes of stroke play is the way we identify our major champions. And I don't see that changing. And the problem with adding a team component, which would be very cool, 
and I'm on board if anyone can come up with an idea. The problem with that is the IOC will not allow one competition to determine two medals. By that, I mean you could do an individual and a team competition over 72 holes of stroke play. They wouldn't allow that under their rules. So what you would why? have to do is either – Why not? Well, I don't know why, man. I'm not getting into – I'm not defending the IOC. There's, there's too much that, – that that's a slippery slope given these Olympics. So I'm not doing that. This is just the way that they run things. And the IGF and golf is kind of at their mercy when it comes to this. So what you would have to do is either come up with another team competition. And there is an idea – that you could do that and even make it a mixed team competition. There are some cool elements, but now all of a sudden you're adding another three or four days to something that's already a very, very tight window. I mean, if you look at the forecast for the women going forward, there's a typhoon, there's a storm hitting Tokyo another on typhoon? Saturday. Uh, it's not a typhoon. It's a tropical storm. Or wave. A tropical depression. Tropical wave. Yep. A tropical wave. Yeah. So it, there is some hand wringing about how can we get 72 holes in because you can't play on Sunday. Or certainly you couldn't play a full round on Sunday because that's the closing ceremony. And the Olympics is very strict about for their closing ceremony. There's nothing else that's going to happen during that or after that. So you have to be done one way or the other. It, there's just not a big enough window to add that third element to it. And as far as golf is concerned, the way we identify our major champions, our, our most important events are 72 holes of stroke play. You may not like it, but that's the way it works. Yeah, look, 72 hole stroke play is the currency of the sport. It has been proven over centuries that metal play identifies who performs the best. And I think that's even more important for a title as prestigious as Olympic medalist. That is interesting about the IOC because to me, the no brainer solution is to just add the team component by not doing any other math, just saying Shane Lowry's 10 under total and Rory's 14 under total, whatever the case is, they have 24 under par as their team total. Let's see where that stacks up. For the U.S., let's say you qualify four guys inside the top 15. That's a good bet that that's going to happen again in 2024 just because of the strength of the Americans and the world ranking. Do it like they do in college golf, where in college golf, it's a play five count four format. You throw out the high score. For this Olympic competition, you can have something where you have four scores and you take a low two, and that's your team total for the day. So you are saying that the IOC – will simply not just take a 15 under total and a 10 under total, smash them together, 25 under is what Team USA shoots. Uh, the way they do things right now, no, they will not do that. And look, I, we, you can sit here and debate the IOC and, and are, are they rigid or, you know, some of the rules that they have. And this, you know, we could do the same thing about the NCAA. So as the rules are right now, they're not going to allow one competition to decide two medals. So to answer your question, no. Okay. Now I, I do, I do hope that they would consider that. And here's, okay. and here's, and here's, the you should write why. someone. You, you should write a letter. Here's, here's, here's the reason why Rex to me, that adds an extra dose of national pride because now you're not just competing individually. You, there's also a team component where Rory's trying to play his best, but he's also, you know, if not physically doing so at least emotionally invested in how Shane Lowry is playing, for instance, that's one point. Second of all, it keeps players interested through the entire event instead of having their interest wane, basically as soon as they shoot themselves out of contention for a top three spot, right? Like there was more than half the field that was just going through the motions over the last 36 holes playing out the string, even though they had zero chance to do so. And, and, and finally, it just makes the final round more interesting because you have six medals up for grabs. I, wanted, I wanna knock off a couple of suggestions here quickly. 
I do not think match play is the answer. 18 hole match play is ripe for fluky winners, championship matches, the consolation matches, they're often sleepy. And we're already having a difficult time attracting the marquee names to play in the Olympic tournament. Now you're going to have the potential for one of these big names to get knocked off by some random buzzsaw from Austria who drops nine birdies on them. Absolutely not going to happen. I've also seen a mixed team event been floated about. Yes, that sounds good in theory, but to me, that's also a non-starter. The PJ Tour for the past couple of years has, has been bombarded by people like us and fans who have been calling for a mixed team event, and yet we have not yet seen it on the PJ Tour schedule. Why is that? Probably because there is not an appetite among the membership to have a mixed team event. And so you're going to tell me that Roy McIlroy, for instance, his, his hopes for medal are not going to just pin on how he plays, but the performance of Stephanie Meadow, who he has probably never met and never seen play, uh, I have a really hard time believing um, that that would ever happen, that you would have a mixed team event. Do you agree? Uh, no, but there, there are mixed team events in Europe. And so I think as far as an appetite in the United States, I think there's been a lot of lip service provided to yes. this. I don't know if we're any closer right now. But I, to your point, this is, I, again, this is, this is water cooler conversations. I know this is fun. It, 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 these are non-starters. The IOC, the Olympic Committee decides exactly how you how these competitions are going to work and in this particular case based on the winners that we've had now for one and a half olympics that golf has been back i don't see it, uh, a huge move at least internally to change this do you think that golf gets rubber stamped for future games i mean they're they're on a probationary period right now aren't they yes yeah no i do i, I do simply because even though and let's face it back in, in 2016 was when golf returned you have to think that things started to move in motion well before that to try to get golf back in the Olympics. So let's say 2010 timeframe, go back to that time. I mean, that was all about getting Tiger Woods in the Olympics. So time has changed that. I mean, clearly it, it has evolved and you end up with a competition that I think most people look at sort of every four years before the fact with a sideways eye, simply because golf four biggest events. And I heard this said a lot over the last week and if your biggest event isn't the olympics then your sport probably shouldn't be in the olympics and to a certain point i agree with that however when i look at sports like golf and i think basketball is another one i don't think this takes away from what the other big events are golf still has its majors it will still have its Ryder cup in a few weeks this just adds to the element again you can't tell any of the 60 players certainly the three players who walked out of this golf course with medals that this was not a worthy competition. And I, I think that based on those ideas and how golf has embraced it, at least at the highest level, yes, I think golf returns. Yeah, I, I agree. Look, it might not be on par with the major. Uh, I do think over time, the significance and value and importance of an Olympic medal will only grow. I've seen nothing over these past two Olympics that leads me to believe that this should not be uh, a part of the Olympic schedule uh, every four years. Rex, I want to transition real quick before we uh, head back to the women and where you are previewing the uh, women's Olympic tournament. Uh, I'm here in Memphis. I think there was some initial concern that because of the quick turnaround, uh, that there were going to be a lot of big name defections from this WGC field in Memphis. That has not been the case whatsoever. The only top 10 player who is missing is John Rom, who of course had the WD 
in the Olympics. At, at that point, he actually withdrew from uh, Memphis, thinking that he was going to be the Olympics, and then he decided not to opt back in. Bryson Nashambo, who also had a WD from the Olympics, is here. He had nine of the top ten. I believe roughly 20-something Olympians were on that charter flight from Tokyo to Memphis. Um, so I'm looking forward to catching up with a bunch of, bunch of those players. And what's your, what's your biggest storyline that you're looking at uh, this week as the tour is now, boy, this is the fifth to last tournament uh, of the 2020-2021 season. Yeah, this is all about positioning, right? You start, start looking ahead to the playoffs and whether if you're trying to position yourself a little bit better inside, inside the top 30 or whatever the case may be, maybe it's a little bit higher than that. I think that's where players sort of go from here. I, I saw something on Twitter just this morning that, and I'm going to get this wrong, but Brooks Kepka's last seven starts, he's either missed the cut or finished in the top five. And maybe last 10 starts maybe is that it. And there's more top fives than there are missed cuts. I, I think he's trending in that direction. I, I would think he would be the player to watch. He certainly played well at that golf course in, in the past. You mentioned the 20 guys on the charter though. This was a story that stood out for me. I don't know why this stood out. Probably because as a guy that flies a lot, it, I was thrown by it. Rory McIlroy, <clears throat> sorry, Rory McIlroy flew home on Sunday on a private jet. He had Shane Lowry with him. And I asked him, are you guys just going straight to Memphis? And Rory kind of rolled his eyes. He goes, I'm going to Memphis. I'm dropping Shane off. And then I'm flying home to Florida until I think he was flying back Wednesday morning. That's a good life, man. How much does that cost? Flying privately from Tokyo. This is not flying privately from Jupiter to Atlanta, Jupiter to Austin, Jupiter to New York City. This is a private flight from Tokyo to Jupiter. God, that's going to uh, be astronomical. I mean, it costs more than a regional upgrade, which is pretty much all I had to offer him for that flight. But that being said, that when the detour is, oh, I, I need to drop you in Memphis, sure, not a problem. This isn't, oh, drop me at the 7-Eleven on, on your way to the Publix. No, this isn't that kind of conversation. It's, I'm going to South Florida. Where do you need to go? Memphis, sure, I can do that. I mean, I don't know burning gas. I don't know flight times. I don't know any of that. But it can't be a little drop. And for him to be like, yes, I am going to Memphis, but then I'm going home. And it, 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 it's not a bad life, man. And this, and this is all to come back like 36 hours later. I mean, Roy, Roy McIlroy, dad of the year. Look, he hadn't seen his, hadn't seen his family in three weeks because he, he did the, um, the European tour swing leading to the Open Championship. Saw him for a couple of days and then uh, was arguably the last player to arrive uh, for the Olympic tournament getting in. On Tuesday, uh, that would have been Patrick Reed. Yeah, the non-Patrick Reed division. Uh, Roy was actually of, of his own choosing uh, getting in that late. Uh, but hey, if you got it, if you got it, uh, flaunt it. Uh, Rex, uh, although we had a bunch of dropouts for the men's Olympic tournament, not so for the women. Basically, if you are a great player uh, on the women's side, you are there. Uh, that includes all three medalists from 2016. We're looking at MB Park, who won gold, Lydia Ko, and Shen Shen Feng, who actually might be hanging it up um, after this tournament uh, here in Tokyo. You've been talking to some of the players over the last couple of days. Uh, I'm curious about two things. And what are who, are who are you looking at for favorites? And how do you think the golf course will play differently for the women, if at all? Uh, first thing first, this is when I miss our former colleague, Randall Mel the most. Because I remember being in 2016 in the Olympics. And I will own this now. That, that way I get it out in the open. I do not cover women's golf on a regular basis. So this is going to be a challenge for me. And uh, Randall was there for me in 2016. Story, storytelling, be... storytelling, Rex. 
Uh, no, no. And yesterday I, I got kind of a taste of that because there were quite a few of the women who came to the press center and, and I was sort of thrown by many of the interviews, MB Park being one of them. I was fascinated by the idea. And this wouldn't happen on the men's side. And I don't know why I think that. But if you go back to 2016, there was so much swirling around MB Park where she had the injury. She hadn't played for a couple months leading into the Olympics. There was rumors that the, the NOC, the National Olympic Committee in South Korea was trying to find a way to kick her off the team and put a player on that they thought was going to be more competitive. And she talked about this yesterday, about it was more pressure than she had ever felt in her entire career, a Hall of Fame career, by the way, multiple majors, everything she's been able to do. And in retrospect, and I remember even rumors that she was going to retire after the 2016 games. It's fascinating to me that she has probably pieced together another Hall of Fame career since then and qualified for these Olympics and she comes in riding high. The other one, as you pointed out, was Shin Shin Feng, where this could be her last event. And she sort of alluded to that yesterday in the press conference. And she did so, I guess the way I would put it, kind of indifferently. She just sort of threw it out there. Whereas, again, this is just something that you don't see on the men's side. I mean, men never seem to retire, but and certainly not gracefully. And it was so graceful the way she just kind of said it matter of factly. I was very impressed by that. Uh, those are, are two terrific storylines um, for the Americans. You have not just one quarter, you have two quarters who are vying to get up on the podium with Nellie Quarter, the number one ranked player in the world, uh, and her older sister, Jessica, Danielle Kang, um, a feisty American as well, as well as Luxie Thompson, who already has an ace uh, in one of the practice rounds and was coming off that, that brutal, uh, brutal loss at the U.S. Women's Open uh, earlier, Rex, I won't put you on the spot um, and have you pick uh, your medal winners as we did uh, for the women. I, I mean, will we're going uh, to have to, right? We're going to do a punch shot. We're going to have to do it anyway, right? Fine, then please. Please. No, I don't want to because I haven't done the research. Like, I'm still kind of behind on this, so I don't feel qualified at all to make that assessment, but we're going to have to do a pick eventually, right? Uh, I would. I would imagine so. Yes. I mean, if you if you want to float some ideas out there, maybe you get some Twitter feedback, uh, please. The, the, the floor is yours. Uh, I'm good. I, but I will say this again. This is just I'm, I'm one day into this. I'm, this is a crash course. I'm trying my best. Team Mexico is going to be fun this week. And Team Mexico was fun last week. Carlos Ortiz and Abe answer staying in the village, had so many fun stories from being in the village. Obviously, uh, Carlos put himself into contention. Yesterday was the exact same thing. Like Gabby Lopez is so funny. And of course she got to carry the flag during the opening ceremony for Mexico. And that was so emotional that it, you're right. This is about storytelling. It's just up to me to work harder. That's it. And without alcohol, just imagine the things I can do. Uh, you'll certainly be going to bed earlier uh, than you did last week. Although last week uh, was criminally early uh, as well. Rex, uh, enjoy the rest of the week. Um, in Tokyo, look forward to reading all of your women's coverage on GolfChannel.com. We'll recap it all next week. Uh, not just Memphis, where I am, for the WGC. I'll be home. Invitational, but Rex, his fortnight in Tokyo will be over. Uh, he'll be all screwed up with his clock. I'm sure he'll miss the podcast record time next week as well. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. We'll talk to you next week. Arigato. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. 
find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.